Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths and divine blessing of a young woman. Mary was then given notice the reasons why she was to rejoice. She was honored with blessing notice due to the fact that God was graciously and sovereignly choosing her. Not because she was a lesser sinner than anybody else, but she embraced this by the grace of God. Behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's no more wonderful, no more marvelous, no more compelling, no more miraculous story in all of history than this one as God begins to tell the drama of salvation in the birth of the God-man. And though the story begins in the New Testament, it's not the first mention of the coming Savior, the child that would be born. In fact, you can go all the way back to the third chapter of Genesis, where after the fall of man is recorded, there is the promise of a seed of a woman, followed by a series of prophecies of a coming Messiah that culminate in this holy night in Bethlehem. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier begins a special message for this season titled, The Royal Birth Announcement. There was great anticipation regarding the Messiah. Just prior to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, God was beginning to stir up the heart of His people to receive that long-awaited promise of their Messiah to come. Throughout the Scriptures, it was prophesied from beginning to the end. The Gospel writers tell us of the coming of Messiah, but each one of them have a different approach because of their audience's very specific and purpose. Matthew begins with the crisis of Mary's pregnancy. And Gabriel's revelation to Joseph that this was God's work through Mary by his Holy Spirit. Mark and John don't give us the Annunciation, but simply begin with the ministry of John and the baptism of Jesus. But Luke here in our text provides us with greater detail of the Annunciation to Mary about the birth of the Christ child by the angel Gabriel. Now, God was about to send one to prepare the way of the Lord first, and that was John the Baptist. As we'll see, he was a cousin to Jesus. Mary and Elizabeth were related as cousins. There had been 400 years of silence between the Old Testament, what we know now as the New Testament. There was no New Testament at the time, but the New Testament was going to begin. 400 years of silence, and God broke his silence as he spoke to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, as the angel Gabriel appeared to him in the temple as he went to do his course of priesthood. And um, he declared to him the birth of his son, John the Baptist, as he had interceded for his wife because she was barren. And God was at work, even though men were completely ignorant or not. It makes no difference. Sometimes we think that God is um, kind of held captive to the circumstances of life and history, but they're not. Now, the whole world, but more than the whole world, our nation, has attempted to kind of contradict history by changing the times that we live in. They call it a common era now, instead of A.D. and B.C., okay? Jesus devised the times. History rebukes the educators of today, the modern historians of today. 
And God is still reaching out, regardless whether people are friend or foe. That's the type of God we serve. He gives opportunity to all before they die. I can't tell you when, where, or how, but I can assure you because God is holy, just, and good, and that he sent his son for the whole world, that every person will have an opportunity before they die, or God cannot be just. He cannot be holy. And on that is what we hold to, the character of God, regardless of what else goes on. God now here, in the Gospel of Luke, is going to send the angel Gabriel to announce to this young girl named Mary that she's going to bear the Christ child in her womb. And it unfolds for us here in three movements, verses 26 to 38. Let me read. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she uh, saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The account of the announcement here to Mary unfolds in three movements. First, we have the magnanimous visitation to Mary, verses 26 to 29. Secondly, the miraculous revelation to Mary in verse 30 to 33. And then thirdly, the marvelous consolation to Mary in 34 to 38. We begin with the magnanimous visitation to God. We have a term, megabucks. Much, many. God is so great. He is so great that he would take the time to visit man. That he would bother with us who are so evil and sinful. So self-centered. He is so different than us. Notice verse 26, the angel Gabriel. Is the person announcing the birth of the Messiah. And the time of Gabriel's coming was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the mother of John the Baptist, who was Mary's cousin. As you look at the whole text, especially verse 36, it gives us a contrast and it gives that timeline. Now, the angel Gabriel was one who was sent from God. He's the messenger. Often God has used angels, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and I'm sure he uses angels today in many different ways. Hebrew says that we entertain angels unaware. Now, the city of Nazareth in Galilee was the place of the announcements. Notice that in verse 26. Nazareth was in the valley of the lower Galilee, 
southwest of the Sea of Galilee, north of the Great Plain of Esdraelon. It's a beautiful area. The city was uh, around 80 miles from Jerusalem, north of Jerusalem. And the city was situated close to the great highway between Tyre and Sidon. And the result was that merchants of Greece, as well as Roman soldiers, were not uncommon in that area. It was a crossroad. It was a merchandise territory. And there was commerce. There was uh, military occupation and all. And along with that, as you know, when you have commerce and you have uh, different cultures, you have a lot of sin. You have a lot of availability of everything, especially port cities. Now, this was not a port city, but to give you an idea, San Diego or any uh, Bangkok, any port city, you've got sailors coming in, been out to sea for a long time. You've got military outposts. You've got all kinds of things. Even so many times, the government itself provides the needs of the men as part of the worldly system. And so this is the place that, that God is, is going to work. Now, if I was God, I would have chosen somewhere different from my understanding. I want to make sure I'm going to find the best place. But God only sees one kind of occupation in the earth, sinners. See, we categorize different than God. God just looks at the world and says, they're all fallen. They're all lost. And God chooses this place not by coincidence. The city was identified with a bad reputation. In fact, when Nathaniel said to the others um, they have found the Messiah, he said, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth in John 1.46? <laughs> and yet God was at work to do one of his, the greatest work towards mankind. Notice in 27, the visitation was to a pure virgin named Mary. Mary is called here a virgin, Parthenos, one who um, was pure from uh, sexual intercourse. And Israel had a strict order according to the law, as you know. And all the law declared that if a woman was entered into sexual intercourse prior to marriage, it is very clear through the scriptures, especially in Deuteronomy 22, 24, and verse 29 and other places, that she would be humbled by the man. Uh, the woman was created for the man, not the man for the woman. Paul makes this very clear, and Genesis confirms that. Okay, Not as a sex object or chattel but for the plan of God that he has for family. And it makes it very clear that she would be humbled by the man who was not her husband. It's very important here that he points out that she's a virgin. She was probably 14, 15, 16 years of age. Now, it is true that in other places of the world, particularly in other countries that are not as privileged as we are, children grow up a lot faster. They're more responsible. They deal with reality much earlier in life. It's only in America that we live in Disneyland. They don't have to grow up. And uh, now we're seeing the greatest consequences of that in our nation. Now, she's 14 to 16. But notice Mary was also betrothed, indicating the period of engagement that lasted for a year prior to the consummation of the marriage. Now, this betrothal was so binding that it was equal to marriage. So if you wanted to undo this betrothal, you were considered marriage, you would have to get a legal writing of divorce from this plan to get married. Now, Mary was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy of Isaiah 7.14. A virgin, Alma, shall bear a child. 
In Hebrew, there are two words for the word virgin that are used. The first one in Genesis 24, 16 is the word Bethula. That's a virgin not betrothed or a spouse, just a young woman who's a virgin. The second is the word Alma that is used by Isaiah 7, 14. It's one who is betrothed and a spouse. So the word here in the Greek is comparable to that Alma, and it's important because it's fulfilling the specific detail of the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14. God does not speak in generalities. We, we, we don't just try to find things in history and make them fit Scripture. God has predicted things in, in history so that when they come to pass, they're very clearly seen. The details are so many in number that the chance of probability itself refutes our own imagination putting it together. When you look at the details on it. And so Mary here is fulfilling that prediction of Isaiah 7.14. Now notice Mary was also betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. The house was the lineage of David through Joseph as well as Mary. Matthew and Luke. An ascension, a dissension. One goes through Solomon. The other one goes through Nathaniel. Because of Jeconiah or Coniah that was... Uh, curse from the lineage. So both of them have access to the line of David. And that's why you have the distinction between Matthew and Luke. Okay? Joseph was a just man, Matthew tells us, because when he heard that Mary was pregnant, in his mind, he did not want to take her as his wife because she had been humbled by another man. Now, before we accuse Joseph, we have to understand the culture and the understanding. He's a godly man. He knows the word of God. And he knows this is the standard. And he's within this year period. And what am I going to do? When God appears to him in Matthew 1.19, God doesn't rebuke him. He just reveals to him what he had revealed to Mary so that he could have an opportunity to obey God or to reject God, one of the two. So God is not unreasonable when he asks us to do something. He will minister to our hearts. He will confirm things through us. He will deal with us individually. Others may think you're crazy, but when God has spoken to you, your obedience is to God, not to man. That's very important. But it's always based on Scripture, not emotions, not circumstances, but the Scriptures. Now, notice in verse 28, the proclamation to Mary was to rejoice. Mary was told to rejoice in her situation that was only going to bring suspicion, gossip, and criticism to her life. The word rejoice simply means to be glad, but that joy, Cairo, it's the product of the Spirit of God based on God's Word. This has nothing to do with the situation or the circumstances or my own emotions and all. Mary was then given, notice, the reasons why she was to rejoice. She's called highly favored one, which means um, to peruse with grace or compass with favor. She was honored with blessing, notice, due to the fact that God was graciously and sovereignly choosing her. Not because she was a lesser sinner than anybody else. You're a sinner, you're a sinner. God doesn't save just little sinners and excludes big sinners. He saves sinners. Again, we bring our natural mind to it and we begin to categorize our own levels of measure 
and they're always off when it comes to God's measure. The Lord was with her, it says, even though others would not be, even as Joseph was not at the beginning, the very one who was going to marry her. There was hesitation, and rightly so from that perspective at the time was going on. You would have done the same thing, and so would I. Now, she was blessed among women. Mark this. Don't, don't exclude this. The word blessed there means to speak well of. We get the word eulogy from it. When we go to funerals, we eulogize people. And you find it in verse 28 and 42 also. The speaking well certainly was not by all, and definitely not in her lifetime, for she most likely lived a very suspicious life, a life of criticism, a life of, uh, of gossip, false accusations. But she embraced this by the grace of God. You remember in uh, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 33 to 35, that um, Simeon the high priest, when Jesus was dedicated, he said to Mary, a sword shall pierce your heart, telling her that Jesus was born for the rise and the fall of many. So not only the personal marking and gossip and criticism, but also the long-term experience of seeing her very son beaten and scourged and crucified and, and hearing him say, unto you I commit my spirit, Father, and die. The prophecy then was for the future as all the generations to come would acknowledge the call upon Jesus as their Lord by their own doing. God chooses sinners to be saved. That's why he sent his son he is the Savior of the world. What a gracious God we serve. The declaration was that Mary was blessed. Notice, among, not above, women. She was chosen from among, not above, other women. I point this out because the Catholic Church declares that Mary was sinless. But in fact, she was not sinless because she herself in 47 of this chapter and uh, 48 declares that she's a sinner. It's called a magnificent here. It says, in my spirit, this is Mary speaking, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me Blessed. She acknowledged she was a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness. She acknowledged Jesus as her Savior, one like all others. So any attempt to teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin or sinless is unbiblical. Now, she did not have intercourse with Joseph till after the birth of her son, we're told. And then Jesus had half-brothers. They are given to us in Matthew 13, 55 and 56. And in Luke 1, 25, we have another reference. Of course, children of Joseph and Mary. So if we're going to compare the scriptures, then we have to reject a lot of the religious misinformation that is given to us. Mary needed to repent, and she did. Mary acknowledged her own sinfulness. Mary had sin nature, just like you, just like I. No different. Now look at 29. The hesitation of Mary was marked by perplexity, being very, very natural. She's human like you and I. 
Mary's response was in sharp contrast to the angel Gabriel. The word but marks that sharp contrast. Mary was troubled at the same. The word of trouble means to agitate greatly. Her mind and heart were greatly agitated at the manner of greeting. She said 14, 15, 16. She's never known a man. This revelation is coming in. Now she acknowledges an angel. She's hearing all this. But you've got this whole thing going on. A young woman. And Mary considered what manner of greeting this was. What sort of quality. A proclamation. Again, 14, 15, 16 years old. How would you have handled it? <laughs> Amazing. The visitation to Mary is much like the visitation of God to any of the patriarchs of old or any of the prophets. God has always chosen at certain times and for certain people to make himself known. And that's what makes the Bible distinct from any other quote, quote, religious book. God knows the end from the beginning. He gives great detail. History has proven the scriptures to be accurate to the very detail. Men have tried to destroy it. They're gone. The Bible is still here. God has visited many since the day he visited Mary. And he does it for the purpose of salvation. Now he spoke to her in Nazareth. God has spoken to people about his ability to save them in worse places than Nazareth. Think of yourself. Where were you when God saved you? Where was it that you heard the gospel and God plucked you out of the fire like a brand? And what a difference it's made in your life. And so he will take every opportunity, every circumstance that comes into a person's life who doesn't know him to reach that person. I cannot tell you how, when, or where, but I can guarantee you knowing the character of God that no one will ever die without having at least one chance. The greatest picture of that is very vivid on Calvary, two thieves on the cross, both equally distant, both equally heard, one accepted, the other rejected. There you have your question answered. When God speaks to a person, he speaks to a person, that person might agree with God. He says, I'm holy, you're a sinner. And if the person agrees, God says, I can forgive you. Do you want to be forgiven? And that's what the gospel message is. And when someone calls upon the Lord, acknowledging that he's the Savior, God saves them, forgives them of their sin. The history of man gives a record of all the men and women that God has saved. Some we know very famous, some we don't know, but God has saved them completely by his grace. This was a magnanimous visitation to Mary. And so it is every time people hear the gospel, God knocks on the door of their heart to see if they'll let Christ in. He won't force his way in. You must ask him in. He's a perfect gentleman. But this is the declaration that God needs to hear from you. You ready for it? Mary said it. Behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. 
Pastor Xavier Reese has been setting the scene for the baby born of the young virgin girl Mary, who was to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And though we've had to break for today, only partway through this message, if your schedule will permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own copy of this study as well. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Royal Birth Announcement. It's available on CD for just $4. Again, that title, The Royal Birth Announcement, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 